Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Family Pick Pancake. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake Family of Podcasts. You know, we practiced this, and this still happened, but, you know, we're getting ready. Let's take a pause for a moment and listen to some nice music. Hey, it's Damien, and we're here on Geekologist Radio. Just uh, something a little different right now. We're prepping for season two of Geekologist Radio, which, if you looked at our Twitter page, you might have seen the little, like, the squared number up on our name. That's kind of what we're going with for our for our 2.0 launch. So we're practicing. We're getting things figured out because we want to be able to come at you. We want to be able to give you a live video in all the places you consume it. And we want to make this thing a more interactive show for you guys. Lots of stuff going down. A lot of practices going down. We're looking at a launch for Geekologist Radio 2.0 at around February, maybe late February, uh, early March at the latest. So in between now and then, what's going to happen is we're going to basically be doing like special one-off episodes that have more like focus on a particular subject. Like right now, this episode is going to basically be, or the whole thing is going to be on The Walking Dead. And with me, pretty much as always, I have my brother-in-law, Mr. Nick. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good. And the thing that's special about Nick is that he's like the uber Walking Dead fan. Like, we're all we're all fans, and but he, he's got the comics, he's read the comics, he's gone through both things. Me, myself, I know a lot about the comics. I've read a few of them, but I have not read all all of them. I'm not up to date with as much stuff. But what we're going to be discussing tonight basically is should The Walking Dead be done after season eight? Is that the direction that we think that Robert Kirkman's taking it? And what do we think is going to be the aftermath of The Walking Dead as we know it? You know, with something like a show like this, they're not going to take off and just cut themselves off at the at you know at the feet. They're going to leave something to be able to grow. They're going to leave a side story or something that they can go at. Nick, what is like like getting started and just kind of going back? Like, let's go back back to like season one and start. Let's do a breakdown of the seasons in comparison to the comic and how far that they've actually started to separate from each other. I'm going to leave the show over to you. Well, season one of The Walking Dead was a great television show. Highly rated. People jumped on that wagon very quickly. Robert Kirkman had the book one and the TV show pretty fluently of how things went down in the book. What I mean by that is that they were very parallel. There wasn't too many, there wasn't too many sidetracks um, besides, you know, uh, here or there, little tiny things, but the story arc pretty much followed the book one. Now, if anybody read book one um, or seen season one, obviously, if you're listening to this, all spoilers here. If you've seen book one or read book one, I mean, and seen episode uh, season one, episode one, Rick Grimes is in a coma. 
he's a sheriff. He's in a small town. He's in a coma. He wakes up. And that book takes off from there. Now, if you don't know anything about The Walking Dead when I first picked up the book and you saw these opening four, five, six, seven, eight pages, you were kind of blown away by what you saw. You saw a guy waking up and walking out of a hospital and basically into a world that he had no clue what it was. And that was the start of The Walking Dead. And that really took you to a place that uh, nobody else has really taken us before. Now, there was a movie where somebody woke up before and he was in a coma and he was walking the city and they had different type of zombies. I'm, I'm forgetting the name. of that. What's the name of that movie, Damien? 28 Days Later. Yeah, so 28 Days Later. That's, that's pretty similar to what happened here. And if you've seen the movie and you've seen the first season of The Walking Dead, you can see the parallels there. Now, season one opens up very strongly and it finishes it very strongly. Now, most people know, and I know you've seen season one, Damien, and I know you enjoyed it, and like most of us have. And I know you haven't read the book, but was there anything in season one that you thought was, and I know it's been a while, I mean, we're eight seasons later, so that's eight years later. Is there anything in season one that you remember that was like a lull or something that wasn't an episode that just didn't have you with the hooks in it, that, that was just dragging you along? Honestly, most of the episodes that focused on Rick's relationship with his wife uh, they didn't, it just didn't, the characters didn't mesh well. Like, they didn't feel like they belonged together. Lori just didn't, the actress that played Lori, I forget her name, but she's a good actress. I've seen her in other films and stuff. I know she can she can do well, but it just didn't seem like like her and Andrew Lincoln, the actor who plays Rick, like, they just, that they meshed, it, it didn't seem believable. It seemed more believable for me that she would have been with, uh, uh, with uh, Shane, Shane, yeah, it was with Shane. I was gonna say Punisher. This is this is what it happens when you get someone. They change their characters and whatnot. But it just it it seemed like they fit more together, and it was more believable for me with that than it was with Rick. Maybe it was just because Rick's kind of Boy Scout mentality as the first, with you know the early years. Yeah, uh, maybe that's kind of what it was because she seemed Lori seemed more like she was drawn to someone. That was more the bad boy, which was what Shane was. So, uh, yeah, I could see, I could see if you didn't read the book that you would look at that situation and go, "This, this doesn't seem right." And, and because when you first saw uh, Lori and and uh, Shane together in the show, it seemed like a good couple, you know, even though they're kind of sneaking off and and doing their thing out in the woods. And I think that's where the first where you first see them together out in the woods, and that's where the comic book picks them up too. The comic book picks them up making love out in the forest. So you're like, whoa, what's going on here, you know? And uh, Lori's played by Sarah Wayne Callies. Callies, I think if that's her last name. Um, So, yeah, I could see the disconnect there that you would have with those two characters. Now, Rick, in the comic book, just like the show, he's going to Atlanta. And the, the famous tank scene, that's in the episode two where Glenn finds him and saves him and brings him back to the group where he finds Lori and Carl. That all happens pretty much. You know, for just exact same as the book does. So you see this struggle with Rick going on in the book a little bit longer. So you understand that his you understand that his uh, love and care and affection for his kids. He's thinking about him. He's talking about him. He's talking to uh, uh, Morgan about him because Morgan's in the in the town at the beginning, and and the the way the show portrays Morgan later on is not how the book portrays him. Um, so that's a little bit different, but in, in the beginning of the book, Morgan's in, ep, you know, season one, just like he was here with his son held up in the house. 
Uh, so you can see that he talks to Morgan. And you can see this in season one, too, where he talks to Morgan. And you can see how much he cares for Lori and Carl. And he doesn't really know what's going on. And he's he's pretty much lost. But he ventures on the Atlanta anyways. And that's where we get the iconic scene of him in the, in the tank with all the zombies around it. And then Glenn coming to uh, save him. And then he gets pulled to the other group where he finds Lori and Carl with Shane there, which is his partner, too. Um, so that's all pretty much in line with the books. See, that's something. Think going back and thinking about those those first episodes, thinking about you know think think about the tank episode in particular. Yeah, that episode just like I miss that. I miss that so much, and yeah. and it's yeah. uh, I miss those type of scenes. You know, yeah, we get these battle scenes, we get these fight scenes, but. You know, it it's, hasn't been the same. It has not been the same as it was in that that episode. Like that episode, you were afraid of the walkers. You had this fear. And with the inclusion of people and stuff like that, there's fear of still of the walkers. But it's become more of a fear of people. And it's just thinking about all that stuff. And I know that I know that Robert Kirkman said that he was going to each season. He says he's going to bring back the fear of the walk, uh, of the walkers, you know. And he, and he does for a couple episodes. Yeah. But it you know it does always roll back to the people. And it, I guess in the end, uh, it's you know it's it's about life after the walking after the undead apocalypse. So it's it is about people. Yep. It's but it the Walking Dead that refers to them. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It refers to the people because the people are. Yep. I mean, the people are all dead anyway. Correct. Yeah, and that's why the second episode, uh, or the sorry, the spinoff season is Fear of the Walking Dead, because a lot of that season. I don't know if you watched. I've watched two seasons of that. Um, I fell off in the second season, but a lot of that is fear of people, and not yeah. so much. Uh, not so much the dead. Yeah, and it's. It, what's interesting is when someone actually goes through because and you, you should really start thinking about the level that Robert Kirkman had to be thinking about when he created this this series and you know and the comic book because people instantly hear The Walking Dead they think zombies they don't that that's at first glance but when you think about how deep it goes as to reference us as you know as we're the dead it it really makes you start thinking just on a different level and the, the series, the comic, all, all the incidents that happen because take on a different psychological effect for when you're reading or you find out about them on, on a scene when you're watching it and it plays out, it's a statement. And that's something that you don't see in a lot of like, people don't think about it when they're watching TV. A lot of the times granted we do because we geek out over this stuff. We, we get super excited about this kind of stuff, but you know, the average Joe that's watching something, they just want to see a zombie flick. They're not thinking about all that stuff. And that's something that I've always found to be quite interesting and very, uh, just very deep about Robert Kirkman's writing. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that about, uh, Kirkman too. And in his books, um, and he's also the writer of Invincible, which I, I really enjoy. In, in, in The Walking Dead, though, in the, in the books, there's a lot more turmoil with the people over the dead. There's a lot more turmoil about life and death and their mortality and their family's mortality. 
um, there's a lot there's a lot more time to draw out those stories from characters that are not really shown on the show or 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 you know showcase on the show um there's a lot of characters on the books that don't even make the show and i i know you can't put everybody in there but some of those some of those part of the books that just 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 showcase these people breaking down and honestly just kind of not being able to handle the emotional toll of the dead and seeing people die in front of them um to the point where they give up and actually uh die themselves because they can't handle it uh damien they they look at each other and there's a couple different books where people look at each other and say, I, I i can't do it i'm done you know it's just too much and i could see the overwhelmingness of having so many dead walking around you and not believing that you can get out of this not believing that you can even not only can get out of this situation but where do you go from here can you rebuild is there a society past this uh how far do we have to go um it, it, how far do you have to go inside yourself and how many things do you have to do that you're not you you know killing people killing dead uh you know uh whatever it takes to to survive and some people are just not cut out for that mentally and it shows that somewhat in the show uh, for a different, a couple different characters. Um, one is Andrea. She has a couple problems. You know, she takes off for a while there. I believe that's season three or season four. Um, and in the sh- in the books, Andrea is a very, very, very strong character to the point that she's she runs things. You know, a lot of the time. So that's a different that's a different part where they made Andrea. A little bit softer in the show, and uh, uh, Claire, Claire is the the stronger one. And in the books, Claire does become she does become the. Uh, am I saying Claire or uh, Carol? Sorry, Carol, Carol is, is strong Carol. is very strong in the episodes in the TV show. She does get stronger in in the books, but in the beginning, she is very. She has a uh, she had an abusive husband, like they show in the show. She's kind of weak minded. She loses her daughter. Uh, she blames Rick for it for a while. That plays out a little bit more, and uh, and the whole time Andrea is becomes the stronger character in the books, uh, much more stronger than Carol. Um, now Andrea also is kind of like a hybrid between Michonne in the in the from the series in the books too, because Andrea actually is Rick's love interest, correct? That is correct. Yeah, and also yeah. she's uh, she's a marksman. She trains. She trains and becomes probably the best sniper shot in the books. She becomes the best shot in the books, where she's called upon multiple times to run a crew of of gunmen, you know, and at the flank or or to get high spots to take people out. Um, she's called upon a lot, a lot in in the uh, books, and then the shows they just they, they portray her differently. And then Carol's portrayed opposite as the books because Carol does not survive as long as Andrea does in the books. Yeah, no, that's something I that's something I remember too. The other thing that's interesting about about the books that if you don't know, uh, the books are in black and white. I really like that though. Yeah, it it actually adds to the bleakness of what's going on because if you think about it, if you're going through and experiencing. This like it's happening, you know, you're not going to really see in color. You're going to get, you're going to find this, you're going to kind of go into this, into this void, which is your, you know, your shock. You're in shock, and oftentimes when you see film or anything like that, they'll they'll 
reference shock as like a black and white or a mute. A mute is what is more what it is. And if you're reading a comic, how do you how do you reference mute? Black and white. Now, it hasn't I know on the covers sometimes they would add a little bit of red to the cover, but isn't there some inferences in the books where they add a little bit of color to emphasize something that they want you to look at? I'm trying to think. Um, I know I I, I just seen... got done reading I just got done reading two of the All Out War Part One and Part Two again, and I didn't see any of that. There might have been in previous books. There's I mean we're okay. at trade, we're at trade number twenty six or twenty twenty six or tw- or twenty seven or twenty eight something something like that. Where it's a lot of books. Yeah. So I haven't <laughs> gone back and read every single one of them, but uh, they're quick reads too. So you you could you could read them all probably in one day. It's not that hard to read them. Um, but the bleakness that you're talking about in the books doesn't really come out in the show. And that's a very good point that the black and white does give you that almost non-survival. I, I'm not going to make it, you know, because it seems like the the dead have took everything over, you know, even the color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that bleakness that you point out is a very good point. I, 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 I do like that, the difference between that and the books, or I mean that and the TV show where it shows that the deads are a little bit more um the, the the humans are a little the people are a little bit more scared of the dead and as the show takes off and you know goes on season five season six probably around the governor you realize that the dead are not the main you know the they're not feared as much anymore they're they're fearing other people and you mentioned that before that at some point and even in the books at some point the walking dead the zombies should be scary enough but they end up not being anymore um you and it's not it's 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 not it's the reader's fault or it's the people that watch the tv show's fault or it's just how robert kirkman wrote the books it, maybe it's his fault that he didn't he took it on himself to go okay now we're past the zombies we're, we're it's people that we're fearing against other people and in 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 a point where in the books rick rick yells at negan that i don't know what you're fighting for we're fighting against a monster to have a peaceful world that we can build on farm these lands and have a community i do not know what you're fighting for and i love that line i just read that line today and i was like ah that's such a good line to negan and just to point out to negan i don't know what you're fighting for yeah, I mean that's that's something that that hits you and it makes sense because I mean honestly, you, what you want to be the big dog, you want to run everything. Now, now the the difference on that is is now here in season eight the direction that they've gone. Uh, I mean, a lot of us have felt more kinship to Negan, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan this season than we have to Rick. Like, I mean, Rick has kind of, I mean, Rick's gone through a roller coaster of emotions where we're on team Rick, we're off team Rick, we're on team Rick, we're off it, you know, and other people kind of rise up, you know, Maggie is to me the, the leader that the, that the, the collective needs in order to, you know, to go forward. Like she's the original, excuse me, she's the original Rick kind of right now. But I got, I got, you know, I know that Cajun wanted to reference this a lot. You know, he's Team Negan. I kind of start to feel that way too, especially when you get the episodes where he explains kind of himself more. 
and he's not as you know he's not as I'm an asshole Negan it's more I'm a realist and when he does that it it man I I, I don't want to go away from the the characters that were I originally were introduced to but I'll tell you what you know as much as I'm pissed off for him for crushing my you know crushing my boy's head yeah you know I love Glenn but man he's starting to make sense and maybe that's maybe that's kind of what Kirkman wants to happen because in the in the comics the I've read a couple I've read a few of the ones with Negan in it and various ones now I never got that kind of feeling from Negan I didn't get as far as to when he I know when he turns and stuff but not turns into a zombie by the way but uh uh it's in the show the way that he's portrayed I'm starting to kind of feel for him yeah and and there's a couple instances in the show that play towards the books too where Carl seeks him out and he just brings them back to Rick um there's an episode where he just doesn't kill Rick and he could have killed him multiple times now that plays out in the books too before all out war um probably trade 21 20 uh 20 sorry 20 21 and 22 are all out war for the trades and the books Negan in the books doesn't get portrayed the same it's similar but I I guess I guess my point is that Rick doesn't get portrayed the same because you don't ever leave Rick in the books at all you don't ever I don't ever raise my hand and go I'm team Negan in the books um and rereading a couple of the the books this week all Out War 1 and 2, Rick is portrayed as a much more um, solid character than than Negan. He, he's portrayed as somebody that's fighting for a world that's past Negan's even thought process. Now, before that, he is played a little bit in, before when Negan takes over a little bit and they decide to start giving him half of everything. And Alexandria and, uh, you know, the Hilltop, and the kingdom, Negan's kind of run the show for a minute there, and Rick kind of bows down a little bit, and he gets kind of sad and depressed, and that that plays out in the show too, which I appreciated. I didn't mind that, but it did. They haven't brought Rick back to the glory that they bring him back into the books yet. Now maybe the second half of season eight will will shine a little bit of light onto that, but even the first half of season eight, the plan that is set up for this all-out war against Negan is similar plan that happened in the books. It just in the books Rick is much more of a badass than than what's happening in the show, you know. He's he's much more of the alpha male badass guy. Now, one of the things also with this is that you got there's there was a lot of ways that that uh they used to change uh things that Robert Kirkman felt were mistakes. Now, early on Rick lost his hand in the comics. Yeah. And Robert Kirkman says he regretted that. But in the now in the series, someone else lost their hand early on, and that was basically the replacement for Rick losing his hand. Yeah, that, was, that was Michael. Merle. Yeah, was Michael Merle. Rooker. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's something that reoccurs a lot. Losing limbs and everything in The Walking Dead, especially in the comics, is something that happens just a a ton character there's people that 
a lot more people are missing limbs in the comics than that are in the series. Now, could that could be for you know ratings reasons, you know, too much gore kind of thing. Yeah. But there was a situation that happened that right before you know what led to Rick basically breaking down, which involved Carl, that played out much differently and much more brutal in the comics. And what, how did you feel about it when Carl did not lose his arm? And Carl, Carl, yeah, Carl didn't. Rick have to chop off his his. Uh, no, 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 no. He did not in the books. In the books, he did not lose his arm. He still has both his limbs. He still has both oh, his okay. legs. Okay, he that did get shot. Mind. He he did get shot in the face, like they showed in the show. They got he got shot in the okay. face in the comic books too. And he also got he also got uh, hit with an explosion, got concussed. Um, a couple of things has happened to Carl, but not losing his arm. Now, other characters have lost limbs. That might be okay. what you're referencing to that are not portrayed in the, in the show as as much. Now, there's uh, I think his I believe his name is Keith, um, uh, and he's he's an Alexander. He's kind of the guy that was helping Olivia, and he was with Olivia and Olivia, the doctor that got um, shot and killed in this season. Yeah. Um, or was it in the last season? Jeez, yeah, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, it was in the last season that she got shot and killed. That was supposed to be a big thing. But now Olivia, Olivia actually saves his life, Keith, in the books because he gets his leg chopped off. Uh, it gets blown off, actually. Okay. Now, before we get too far, uh, Damien, I just wanted to go back because what I'm trying to do, guys, is, is show where the kind of the books went one direction and the show went a different direction. And... We kind of jumped ahead of Negan, but I'm just going to jump back real quick and just run through this real fast, um, Damien. Season two of the show uh, was a lull for the show. I know you remember that. Correct. Okay. So the books didn't fall off for me there. All right. The the it, it stayed very strong. I didn't understand season two, and I know a lot of people didn't understand season two either. Um, it was stronger than this season. Um, it was maybe stronger than the second half of last season also. Um, I like the the second half of of season seven though, or the first half of season seven. Sorry, uh, season three we're in the farm. Now this does happen in the books. Um, obviously they're following they're following the content, you know, the original content. You know, they're not straying too far away. Herschel is a very strong character, and I really enjoyed Scott Wilson portrayal of him in season three, and it carried on on and on. And also Scott. Uh, Herschel, he lost he lost a limb. If you remember, he lost a leg. Yeah, and, the leg. Well, yeah, when they're in the prison. So season three kind of kind of played out at the farm. That's where we had the Shane showdown. That kind of ended season three. You know, he turned into a zombie, and then you know Carl shot him. Um, or did the Rick shoot him in this in the TV show? I can't remember. Rick, in the Rick, book, Rick, yeah, yeah. In the books, Carl shot him. Oh wait, and, no, and, no. Excuse me. Carl shot him when he because he uh, Rick couldn't kill him. Yeah. And then he was walking up on Rick, and Carl shot him. Okay, as a zombie, though, he walked up on yeah. him, yeah. So, another character that's portrayed a lot differently and has a lot more time to play out is Carl in the books. He's a much more tortured kid because he is he is growing up in this world that is full of dead and full of killing. And he, early on, has to get a gun in his hand, and he has to learn how to use it. And to the point, and I don't know if you know this, there's a scene in the books that's very gruesome where he shoots another kid, another person. Carl does early, early on. 
because he thinks he's a coward. And now, do you remember the scene with Carol and the two little girls? Do you remember where the little girl, I think that was two seasons ago. I forget the little yeah, girls. Look yeah, at, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. Yep, yep. So that girl was a little nutty. <laughs> and that was Carl and 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 probably the third trade or fourth trade. Oh. I can't remember. So they took that and they gave it to somebody else, but actually Carl was just tortured soul for a long time until he figured things out. And Rick had to actually protect him a lot because if people knew that he was he killed another person, you know, Rick's Rick's rule from start one was you kill, you get killed. You kill a person, you get killed. So he had to protect him. So that's another thing where the TV show went one way and the books went a different, darker way, you know, a favorable way in my eyes. I don't, I, I can see them using Carl and, and this scene. Um, it's a little bit more gruesome. And going back over the books a little bit, the, the books are way brutal, much more brutal towards the people. It, people die faster. They get shot quicker. Um, I know everybody saw this first half of season eight where a lot of bullets flew and what one body fell or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands of dollars of ammunition hit the ground and one body hit the ground or something. And uh, magic sheet metal. Yeah. Like magic sheet metal. So season three kind of follows the books. Now you get guys, everybody likes season four or five. You know, we have the prison, we have the governor, really, really good stuff there. And it falls pretty close to it. But as Damien mentioned, Rick actually gets captured by the uh, by the governor, which is portrayed in the show, uh, but he cuts his hand off. And I know I know you're saying Robert Kirkman regretted that because it, it pretty much put Rick Grimes at a disadvantage for the rest of the rest of the time. But I think it also built him some character, if you know what I mean. It, you know, and, mm-hmm. and at the late and where we're at now in the books, he has a cool little hook. <laughs> you know, he's like a pirate. This that uh, the blacksmith at the hilltop made for him that kind of wraps around his shoulder. Um, and that, it just gives him a little bit of character. And even without a hand, the guy survived everything. And he kept on leading. And, and there's different points in the show where you saw it that he was like, I'm not leading anymore. You know, as they were making their way to uh, Alexandria and stuff, he, he didn't feel like he should be in charge or people didn't feel like he should be in charge anymore. Um, that portrayed in the books too. The other thing is about that, though, is that they always teased it. Like, you remember how many yeah. times Rick's yeah. got his hand injured? And yeah. everybody's like, oh, is it going to – it doesn't seem to heal. You're like, oh, he's going to lose his hand. He's going to lose his hand. And it doesn't happen. Uh, that That's one of the things is, is the series, if it knows that it's got the audience, it does have no problem with just continuing to tease the audience. And, and I, like the, I like the teases. I, I like the callbacks. I didn't mind that they didn't cut his hand off in the show. Uh, another thing is that Lori dies at the prison in a pretty gruesome scene. And in, in the books, Carl has to shoot her too. So at this point, I think Carl in the books has killed three or four people. Um, and he's kind of, and it screws him up a little bit. And, and you can see that a little bit in the show. You know what I mean? You, you can see him being a little twisted. Um, what happens though in the show is that the governor, or I'm sorry, in the books, the governor, you know, takes down the prison and everybody has to flee and Carl and Rick are running and they're running alone. They don't know where anybody else is at. They're running run. And Rick has his daughter 
and as Rick is running with his daughter in his hands, she is shot through the head as a young baby. And and it's almost like having the tiger in a, ser- in a show where there's no room for it or it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think Kirkman did this because it would have hampered Rick even more to, to care for a young child and because Carl eventually, as we know, kind of goes off on his own and he can be a strong care. You know, he's very strong himself and he can run things. So that's another where the books and the TV shows split apart there. But I understand that's really hard to sell to an audience, a baby getting, you know, shot through the head. I, I can see Damien. Damien shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, I just had because I have a very vivid imagination, and so just when you explain that and knowing what the, how the comics look and everything, yeah, that was shocking for me. That it is something that I'm like, I would. I mean, and it also it it hits you, especially when like you know, if you're an uncle, you're an aunt, you're a parent, you know, uh, uh, a, an older sibling, any of that stuff. You start thinking about that, and that, yeah, that just hits you in the guts. Like, man, I I don't know. Yeah, so Judith very from a very young age didn't make it. And even reading the books, I was surprised that they went that direction. Because Judith was Judith was, was seen as kind of the light. Even though it was Shane's son, it was kind of seen as oh, here comes the second coming of people. Here's here's the first person. You know you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and and Maggie was Maggie was pregnant in the books too. And so, so that was kind of the first of like shining light to shine on these people of all the bad things that has happened to him in the book so far. And as they're held up in the prison and the governor, the governor crashes down, that scene is played a lot differently in the books. I know uh, Herschel goes out there. Uh, a couple other people go out there, um, you know, s- small characters. Um, in the books, they get split up very badly. And I know they show that in the show too, where it's kind of Carl and Rick in a house and Rick is beat up and sick and can't move. I, I appreciated that they put that in the show because in, in the books that was that was really really touching and it, it kind of had a Carl growing up moment right there. There's a, a funny trivia about that episode is that's also known as the pudding episode. It was like a five yeah. pound can of pudding. Now, when they were shooting that, they he ate. The actor that plays plays Carl ate the entire thing, five pounds of pudding, and then he was really sick afterwards. Like he said, "I can't eat pudding anymore." <laughs> That's Chandler Riggs. So yeah, he, Chandler he Riggs, actually yeah. he actually ate all five pounds. All five pounds of pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a great Cause you, story. Because you, you also got to think about it. At the time, he was a you know at the time he was a young like preteen. You know, we we, yeah. we have. We have sons that are that age. They eat everything, so it's not a, it's not like something's far fetched. But you start thinking about it, and they're recording this, and that you actually see, you see one of the scenes. They ask Rick, kind of jo- kind of jokes when he's feeling better. Did you save any of that for me? And then you see Chandler just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually ab libbed from the fact that he was very ill from just eating. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's very funny. I didn't I did not know that. Um, I, I know I know uh, both of us like Carl as a character. Uh, he got a little bit. Did he get? He got beat up a little bit by fans. Um, Chandler Riggs did, but I, yeah, 
he was played he was played much differently than what the books had him. The books had him much more of a tortured soul um than what that what we see him as. So I I did appreciate what what he was given is what he he was doing, you know, and I maybe the fans wanted something a little bit darker, but I don't think the show runners wanted to take it in that light. I yeah, think they, I mean it we all know what happened, you know, when it got to the when it would ju- if I jump ahead to talk about uh, something in comparison to this, we're jumping ahead talking about the Glenn situation. Yeah. Now, that was something that again, the showrunners screwed us over. Like they they teased us on it because they had a scene that it looked by the way they shot it like they killed Glenn off in a different way. And so like I remember the episode where we thought Glenn died. Yeah. I actually shed a tear because like I was expecting, I was waiting for Negan to kill him. But then to see it come that way, I, it felt like I lost him. Like like and I remember listening to radio shows and everybody was talking about how they cried because they felt they lost their favorite character. And it affected people differently. So when the people that saw that we didn't get this with other characters. So then when, when it came to the time that, you know, they, they also do a little play where they make you think that, oh, there's trading off. Glenn's going to survive this. Nope. They kill Glenn, but it's, it was, it was a grotesque way. And in, in the book, it was very grotesque. Like, I mean, an eyeball. Yes. Was, like what I was surprised is, is that this is the closest to the book. I've seen any of the deaths. Like, I mean, it was spot on, like gruesome and if you fought watch you know the uh talking dead after afterwards they actually showed him with the makeup on him walking around and it just oh god it, it was it was gruesome you know his eyeballs hanging out of his head and they got a lot of flack for for going that dark with that even though they felt they had to do it and so that's where it kind of goes into play is when they tried to go as dark as the comics they got flack for being too violent and being gore porn uh yeah, and and when you talked about earlier about the books being in black and white, that scene is is very very it's very ugly. Yeah. Um, and it's the one of the first times, and it is the first time you see Negan lose his temper because you see later on that he doesn't lose his temper all the time, that he actually thinks people are a resource, unless he needs to teach a and teach a lesson, and even in the books he says that. That he enjoyed, he says that I killed your little Asian friend. I, I'm not don't don't quote me here. He says he says to Rick, I know I killed your little Asian friend, and I didn't enjoy that, but don't think I won't do it again. And he he says references it many times that people are resources, and he doesn't want to just kill them off. But that scene in the books where his eyeballs hanging out, he doesn't stop hitting them. It just it goes on for like four or five panels, if I if I remember correctly. It's a very dark scene that uh, was portrayed in the in the in the series, and I understand how they portrayed it. They couldn't really do it any differently um, for how gory it was in the books. I didn't like the bait and switch though, because that's not how Abraham died in the books. Um, well, so Abraham had outlived, but the thing that was the other thing is Abraham had already outlived himself from the books at that point. Uh, I can't. I can't remember. He got killed some, at some other point, though. He got killed going to. Uh, Abraham got killed in the books around Alexandria. They were searching buildings for resources. Yeah. Um, and they found a place where they could Eugene could make ammunition. 
uh, as I'm bringing up Eugene too, since he's a he's a pretty prominent prominent character in season eight, he's portrayed a lot differently in the books at this point as the show is now at the beginning as a scared little weasel. That's kind of how he is in the books too. Um, he doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't want to take any responsibilities on. He doesn't want to be the leader. He, he wants to lie for protection. That's how he gets Abraham to help him and Rosita, Rosita. Um, so in the, in the season eight here, He's portrayed a little bit differently because he's such an internal, he's such an integrated part of Rick's plan to survive the all-out war. Um, So that's a different way where they took it. I understand why they brought Eugene to uh, Negan, but that's not actually what happened in the books. Um, So after the prison, though, I'm just going to go back a little bit. After the prison, we had a little trip. We found Alexandria, and that's where we're... They basically find a place to live, and then they find Jesus, and Jesus tells them that the world's going to open up, and he finds the hilltop, and Gregory wants him to take out Negan. So basically, that's what happens. And then they find the kingdom, and now we have three communities plus the saviors, so we have four different communities in a small area, and uh, Gregory's asking Rick and his people if he can take out Negan, and Rick decides to help him to take out but he doesn't realize what he's getting in, into. And that's where Negan breaks him and he falls apart. And then he decides for this all-out war that we see in the first half of season eight. Um, Now, Eugene, I'll go back to Eugene since I was talking about it. Um, In the books, he is captured by uh, Negan as Negan's leaving Alexandria. Um, you see in that episode where they're throwing all the grenades over the wall. Yeah, so he's throwing all the grenades over the wall, and he's blowing up all the buildings, and the hilltop people show up. Maggie's leading a group of down to the hilltop, and they flank him, so Negan has to get out of there. And in the books, he runs right into Eugene, and Eugene has just finished building another case of bullets. He's found a place, and him and a small crew can build ammunition, make ammunition, sorry. Negan finds him in the books, and he kidnaps him, him and the crew, and he tells Eugene, you're going to start making ammunition for me. And Eugene's like, I'm not going to do it. And Carl and Negan says, I will capture one by one your people and I'll kill them in front of you until you make me ammunition. And that's the first time you see, not the first time, he, Eugene starts being a kind of a strong character before this. But that's this is the one time you see him look right at Negan and he basically tells him, you know, the F off. He's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not. And even after he says he kills, he's gonna kill somebody one by one in front of him. Eugene's like, I don't. I'm not doing anything for you. And then Dwight kind of sneaks into his room in the books, and he's like, Here, I'm here to help you. Um, and Doctor Carlson sneaks out Eugene and the group of people as Negan's going to the hilltop to finally take out the rest of the of the uh, the community of the kingdom, the hilltop, and the and the Alexandria people. Eugene in in this in the books is such is such a resource for Rick that he doesn't want even him even putting himself in risk at all. And in the show, he's portrayed as this little weasel that gets Negan out of the group out out of the Savior's you know home and away from all the the walking the walkers where they're all crowding around the front 
and they say, yeah, Eugene got something together to get us out of there. It's not really happened what, what happened in the books. That doesn't really matter. I just don't like how they took the Eugene character who kind of turned at this point and he was favorable and I enjoyed him when he first showed up in the comics. I didn't like him at all. Uh-huh. I don't know how you feel about the Eugene character in the show. Um, if you I, like him at all or you think he's a little, a little slimy, little little weasel like I do. I, I, I think he's both. Like I think he's a yeah. likable character because he's got multiple levels to himself like he's he's got depth yeah and yeah it might not as it might not be as apparent this season uh but but in past seasons you've seen character growth and this one it seems like it's been a little stagnant for him and that could just be the writers you know and all that stuff but i mean his character has I mean, there's been people who have died because of him that pissed me off, and I hate him. Yep. And then, then he does something, and I'm like, oh my god, now I see it. I like him. It's something that is that's it's difficult, you know. It's difficult to to put a finger on on it, but I think yeah, he's a slime ball. But yeah, he's 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 neat, necessary. So all in all, I you know I like I like the direction, and I like the fact that the actor's able to pull that off. Yeah, and, Josh McDermott playing Eugene is is really really well done. I mean, I don't know much, many other actors, you know, that can pull off a mullet, you know, and he does. <laughs> so he pulls off amazing '80s mullet. It, it's pretty beautiful. <laughs> and it, even even when he gets to uh, the Saviors and he's just playing like Atari, yeah, and he's just kind of hanging out. Uh, I I kind of enjoy those scenes of him. And season eight. Um, the first half of season eight, there's an episode that's kind of featured of of Eugene, not as prominent as like some of the other shows where they're one offs where you know just showing Michonne or Abraham or Zeta or whatever. This one kind of showed a lot of Eugene, and that was my favorite episode of this season so far because um, I like the Eugene character. But the way the show, another reason that we know the show the show has to come to an end because where it's getting at in the books, um. Eugene is such a such a big part of rebuilding Alexandria and building the community between the hilltop, the kingdom, and Alexandria. That I don't know if he can come back from where he's at in the show to be go favorable again with Rick and the others. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It, it I, does, I, unless I think he's too I'm, far gone. But this is where I this is where I have have a think where I start to wonder. Is would Robert Kirkman do something that completely changes things? Because he's already started doing that. Yeah. Would could he be setting something up to where The Walking Dead changes completely and maybe Rick dies and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan takes over and we get a whole different storyline? I mean, I almost to, to be honest. And this is again me saying, you know, that I've kind of gone to, to Team Negan. If they did that, I almost, I, 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 I think I'd watch. I think I would be excited for the changes. I, I don't. I don't, dis- I, I don't disagree with you with in the TV show aspect of it. A lot of fans can't get past the Glenn death. I think that's hard to get over. Um, even in the books at this point, um, Maggie's not over it. And this is years 
we're, we're years past this all-out war in the books now. We're old man Rick style now. And uh, spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the books, uh, but I'm going to spoil a little bit ahead here past, you know, season eight, past season nine. Um, at the end of the all-out war, Rick decides that he is not going to be like Negan. He decides that for his people, killing Negan or lynching him up in the middle of the times the town square is not going to solve any of their problems. He decides that keeping him alive and putting him in the prison that is already built in Alexandria, he decides that's the way they go, is to keep to keep them alive. Negan can grow old and watch, and he can watch as Rick builds a society. And he can watch as he was wrong and he can die an old man knowing that Rick, he should have just sided with Rick all, you know, from the beginning. Because Rick does give him multiple choices in the books to, hey, just why don't you just work with us, you know, like, and he does that in the show too, you know. He's like, why can't we just all work together? I don't get this. You need half of our stuff and we have to work like slaves for you for what reason? You know, I can, we can protect ourselves. We don't need your protection. We're not the hilltop. We're not Gregory. You know, the kingdom can protect themselves. They don't need you. So there's not, you know, it's kind of the old school mafia thing. You know, I'll protect the neighborhood. Nobody will rob your store if you just pay yep. a little bit of money. Yep. So that's just spoiling a little bit ahead. But um, in this season, season eight, what I've noticed from the books to the to the show is that a lot of it um a lot of their characters have hope i don't know if you noticed this there's some characters that really believe and that there's going to be something past this and there's a lot of characters that just don't believe in anything right now and in the books they have a lot of characters that are all still believing um so like in episode uh Episode one of season eight, Mercy, all all out war season. It's episode Mercy. You're basically at a point now where zombies do not frighten anybody anymore, and they don't frighten the characters on the show. They don't frighten us. They don't frighten anybody. So we have to bring in the human element, which we already did back on the governor. So we we knew we knew that human element of fighting each other was where this story was going to keep going. Now there is aspects where the zombies. And I think it's more scary when there's only two or three people and they're kind of out of outposts or they're trying to find uh, resources and four or five zombies jumping on them. Uh, you, you know that part where Carl and uh, I'm skipping his name, the new character at the end of yeah. the, uh, uh, and he's trying to save, he's trying to save him. And Carl kind of falls back down on that deer. And yeah. The deer's carcass is all open up and he has one zombie on him. That's the time that you're kind of like, oh, what's going on, you know? But when you see like a horde of zombies, and in the show you see Rick and Jesus and Maggie and Michonne, you're not f- scared that any of them are going to die. Yeah, yeah, you're not worried that any of them are getting taken out because it's a TV show, and we're we're at the point where the main characters are going to stay. And in the book, they're they're living too right now. It's not like the the show is going too far away from what the book went uh, on the what characters are alive right now and what characters are dead. Now, we all know Daryl's not a part of this, the book at all. Uh, Carol has not made it this far. And uh, Andrea is alive as a strong character, as we mentioned before. So there is a little bit of things that are different. 
But now, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, if this show's gonna end, I really hope that if if they do choose to end soon, for whatever reason, with this particular cast of characters, if they were to go on to a different one. I would hope that they would keep it within the same time frame and use it as a means to be able to, you know, if they went somewhere far away, they could bring the characters, they could go jump ahead into the future a bit, but you could find out later on, bring one of these characters onto that new series, and then you'd be like, oh, they survived. You could tell the, the, their story that way by but being a different. And one of those people I would like to see is, I, I would like to see, you know, give them a break, but have Daryl survive. No, let Daryl. If if you were to do something like that, let Daryl, you know, wind up somehow in the future. He's in the UK, you know, and he's fighting over there. So that would be badass. I mean, that's just something that would be kind of cool. I mean, shoot, I wouldn't be with uh, you know, is it Sean Flaherty, Uh, the his character, uh, the actor who plays his brother in Boondock Saints. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing a Walking Dead. That has his brother, his character from that, or his brother from you know the actor from that in in it, and then they kind of somehow team up and become this whole other series. I think that could be cool. But anyway, that's just that's just me going off on a fan kind of <laughs> like fan dreaming, fan dreaming right there. That's all right. Hey, another thing I want to bring up about uh, episode one of season eight. There's a future scene of old man Rick. I know you. I I everybody was questioning that. And it's during the great festival or the festival that they're throwing in the books between the three kingdoms. Uh, sorry, the three uh, communities, Hilltop, the kingdom, and, and Alexandria. Um, they're throwing this festival to kind of celebrate new life, basically. And this is, this is I don't, I don't know the timeline between uh, Negan being imprisoned by Rick to the point where we're at now in the books. But... That's where the shot that you see of future Rick in there. But something that I just wanted to point out is kind of funny is that all the music being played in episode one with future Rick is Weird Al. It's Weird Al Yankovic in the background. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Now I have to I go know. back and watch that. Yeah, if you listen, actually just listen with subtitles on. That's how I caught it because it popped out Weird Al Yankovic. And I should have wrote down the song title. I forgot the song title. And I started listening and go, that is Weird Al. Why are they playing Weird Al Yankovic at the background music of, of like, because you kind of notice that Rick is kind of in this like white light. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, it, it's it's the hope. And the background music is Weird Al. It wouldn't uh, have been UHF, was it? Like, because I know uh, that. You know that, what? what? It, it might have been, dude. I should have wrote down that, the song name. I was going to say, because UHF was a, a movie that he did, but yeah, it was a, yeah. it was all kind of weird like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone wanted to put in like a reference to that and had UHF the song in the background. I bet you that's what they did, because that would be a clever way of kind of. Yeah, I, that, I think that's probably what it is. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have wrote down the song name. I forgot to. Uh, in episode one, though. Uh, in season eight, I'm I'm talking strictly about season eight now. Carl still holds on to hope here. You see him try to help a man at the gas station, um, and they do reference a shot from episode one to episode 100. This is episode 100 now of Carl putting his hat down the ground, leaning underneath the car, taking a look. That's a reference to episode one where Rick does that and he sees a little girl and he goes to help her. And now in episode 100. Rick sees Carl see a guy 
And Rick's first instinct is not to help, but to shoot over his head. And you can kind of see the trajectory of where Rick is at now in this world. It's There's no helping. We just need to shoot first. We'll figure out later. And he even tells Carl, I shot over his head. I shot over his head. I wasn't trying to kill him. Now, it shows a big difference from where Rick was at from the beginning of you know season one to where we're at now in season eight. And where Carl's yes. at now. Because in the books, Carl was very bleak. And he was very distraught and sad and depressed. And now, and where we're at now in the books, he's he's still kind of that way. But he's, since the Great Festival and Negan being locked up, he's much more motivated to do something with his life. Uh, he wants to learn a trade. He wants to be a blacksmith. Um, another thing, too, in, in the show, you notice that when they had Negan... Out the out the uh, where they show up at Negan's place, the saviors, and they have the cars with all the little metal, the little metal flashing on them <laughs> that they're supposed to stop bullets. In the books, they don't bring up any vehicles, man. I, I forgot about that, but I was surprised. They actually just walked straight up in a big group of people, and they just talked and they just have a conversation with Negan right out there, and they're all holding guns too. And Negan's like right there. So not only was it frustrating the show, in the book it was it was frustrating. I, going back, I was like, why don't they just shoot him now? Just shoot him right now. Now, he might have had snipers on the roof in the books, and they didn't show that. There could have been other things around there. So okay. anybody frustrated with uh, episode one, season eight, where they just didn't shoot Negan straight off, I was much worse frustrated in the books too. So Go. episode one, season eight. Uh, Scott Gimple says, story-wise, it had to be a song that I wanted Judith, Rick's daughter, to be into, but I didn't want her to be into something necessarily typical. Gimple recently told Entertainment Weekly, back when this was when this article was written, I wanted to have it to be distinctive. I will say there is a toddler in my life sort of obsessed with that song, so that might have played into it a little bit. I try to check myself in those moments where I'm doing that for friends or whatever, but I put it in the script and was sitting there thinking about it. Gimple went on to say that he picked the song precisely because it's strange to, to hear it's such a serious show, and it was meant to throw the viewers for a loop. Songs used to confuse someone else, too. Weird Al himself. Weird Al <laughs> was not aware that the song was going to be used, and it was actually the parody song to Another One Bites the Dust. Instead, it was Weird Al's Another One Rides the Bus. <laughs> yes, that's it. It was Another One Bites the Dust, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome that he had uh, somebody in his life that was obsessed with the song and he, he played it. Because my kids are obsessed with Weird Al, too. I put them on it a long time ago, and I love that I got them hooked on the Weird Al at a young age. So any parents out there, play them now. That way they're hooked on later on. <laughs> Amish paradise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another scene, though, outside of the the Saviors, where Negan is talking with Rick, and Rick is telling everybody to put his they put their arms down put their guns down um gregory comes out and this happens in the books too and he tells everybody that the hilltop people won't be allowed back if if they don't put their arms down and walk back now now in the books people do leave eight eight people leave and when eight people leave negan says you only got eight people that's it <laughs> and he throws he throws Gregory and he gets and he gets pissed off at him, which I I love that part of him getting mad at Gregory, and they don't show that too much in the show because they show his his uh, second in command, um, who's not in the books, um, who's only in I I can only remember him as in Grand Theft Auto Five, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Stephen Og Simon, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, I love his character in Grand Theft Auto Five, don't you? Oh yeah, I love his character in that. Uh, I mean, he's he meant he's he's doing really good, man. Right now, he's all over the place. He's in commercials where yeah. most of the commercials he plays his character. Uh, he play he plays basically Grand Theft Auto persona. But yeah. the but the other thing is is he's also in HBO's Westworld. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, I don't know. I and he's a bast- He's a rat bastard in that. So it's like- <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the thing is, is if you actually ever uh, listen to like interviews or anything with the guy, he uh, he's he's actually very charismatic and a very nice nice guy. He just happens to be really good at playing a jackass. <laughs> I I love him as Simon. I think that's one of the characters that were not in the book that was a great add in onto the uh, show. I love him as Second Command. Because we know Dwight, in the show and in the books, he's trying to help Rick and his crew take down Negan because Negan took his wife and basically puts it in his face all the time. Negan also burnt the side of his face with an iron, with a hot iron, which is very, very brutal. Um, and he does that in the in the comics, too. There's three or four different guys in the Saviors that have their face burnt for whatever reason. <laughs> and some of them, you don't get explained why that happened. So, episode two, The Dam, season eight, another person that holds out humanity at this point is Ezekiel from the kingdom. He still holds out hope for humanity. Um, He basically tells Carol, you know, you fake it till you make it. Um, Carol's probably the only one, I think, at this point in the show that knows that his persona as a king is just a made-up, you know, a made-up so just so he can be a leader, so people would follow him, basically. And if you have a tiger and you talk like you're a king, then who's not going to follow you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and I, I love his. I actually love his character. The yeah, fact I love the, Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah. The fact that when he said "fake it till you make it," and, and I mean honestly, I that 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 term has now become a regular use for me, actually. <laughs> It's like when I'm trying to explain something, like I'm trying to tell my kids, you know, hey, like they're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily get along with that person or that. I'm like, well, fake it till you make it. I'm just like, it's just it, it is something that, and you know, I don't know if someone else saying it would have had the same effect, but it, it was, you know, you have this overzealous, you have this this like over the top king, and then he's looking over at Carol and he just goes, fake it till you make it, baby, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. 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 Like I mean that 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 yeah I'm just saying like that was yes that was so that was so good and the casting choice of Carol Payton uh, K H A R Y so I'm, I believe his name is Carol uh, was just you know ten out of ten he plays Ezekiel so well I love him so much in the show I think I love him more in the show than I do uh, the books. Uh, I love him in the books too. He's a great, he's a great character in the books. Um, and so it's episode two, he still holds out hope. Um, the fake it till you make it line, like <laughs> Damien's saying. Um, in this one, you also see that Morgan is a little bipolar almost, and he says that I don't die. He's a little twisted in the head, and he knows it. He he tells Jesus after the little scrimmage they have, which I think was a really cool fight. Actually, you know, I, I like that fight. He tells he tells Jesus, he's I'm not right in the head. I, I, I'm not okay. And that's another time where you've seen a previous episode and a previous scene where 
Rick finds him in a one-off, and Rick finds him in the house, and he's gone a little nutty. Yeah, and one of the things about uh, Lenny James, that's the actor who portrays Morgan Jones, is that, and this kind of leads on to some other questions and stuff, is that uh, November it was announced that he is going to be heading over. He's the crossover character for Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. But what actually was announced is from the production of The Walking Dead is that he is leaving the cast of The Walking Dead. So if he's leaving the cast of The Walking Dead and joining Fear the Walking Dead, the question is, is Fear the Walking Dead, since it takes place on the West Coast, is it going to be caught when he appears in it? Is it going to be, are they going to jump the timeline to where it connects up with The Walking Dead? Or is this going to be a past? Is this going to be a past? Because here's the thing. If they go, if it's a past Morgan, then he's got God mode. We know he can't die. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we look, we leave Morgan in season one of the walking dead. And I don't think he re- reappears. I wish I would. Uh, I wish I would have wrote this down. I don't think he reappears until season six. where yeah. you have that one off episode and he's kind of nutty. It might've been season five. Um, so that's five or six years. Um, not, that's not five or six years in showtime. Um, I'm not sure what showtime that is. It's maybe three years in the walking dead. So there could have been something where he traveled out West. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem very likely. Uh, so it could be, it could be, and we know that fear the walking dead's ahead of or behind this. So it could be that he was out West before he went back home or something. I, I, mean, I don't know. It could be, but it's just, it's hard to have a character. I mean, as much as it's cool to see the connection between it, it would be hard to have him on that series and know that he can't die. So anything he's going into, everybody around him is the red shirts and he's Captain Kirk. You know, you, <laughs> you can't, I mean, you, that, it almost makes me feel like, I mean, like they need to jump it ahead. They need to jump it ahead and put it on the same time frame. And then maybe what happens is is Morgan finds them and leads them from Fear the Walking Dead to the Walking Dead, and they combine and they create a new series. I mean, th- you know, that I mean, there's there's tons of possibilities with with this this setup. The actors that they have in Fear the Walking Dead, I love. I have not, I have not given it enough time to watch it and go back because I just had so much other stuff going on my plate. But the actors and actresses that they use in that that series, I enjoy them in all the films and other stuff that they have been in. Yeah, and so I enjoy them too. Yeah, and so I want to go back and watch it, and I am going to go back and watch it, especially because of this crossover stuff and the potential that this brings. Because if they jump to the future, it could be the building of a new show. I mean, a la Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, combined characters from other. You know the next generation and others, other series into one, into its own own new series. If if you know we're jumping ahead into the future and we're going to it was the what was the celebration called? Uh, it's just the festival or the festival. festival. Yeah. So if we go into the festival, if we're going into that direction, and that's where they might sign off for some characters. Perhaps this would be a way that they could. They could take the characters that are strong here that maybe, you know, because Fear of the Walking Dead hasn't had as many, many seasons. And they got, so they still got actor, actors and actresses that might be hun- still hungry where you have other actors that are with the Walking Dead that might be ready to move on to something else. 
this is where you can give people breaks, give them a chance to go away for a while. Maybe if they want to come back, they can come back. And you still keep one of one of TV's number one series going, but you're giving it new life in a new direction. This is something that they could use. Morgan is a great character to Sherpa yeah. to Sherpa the possibilities of this. Now, Morgan in the books has not made it this far. Um, he left. The, he left us a while ago. Oh, so, okay. So this is this uh, staff willing Donatello Morgan is uh, just a different character that I really, really love. That's another thing I think the show did really great is bringing him back because I, I love him. I love him as a character, and I love that he just wields that staff like you know he's a teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> um, so in episode two we got the bipolar uh, Morgan. Uh, we still have Jesus showing humanity, trying to save the saviors. Um, he does that in the book too. Um, Jesus is, is holding on to hope there. Um, Tara on the opposite side is, is lost all hope of Chance Humanity. She basically wants to line up um, a bunch of humans and just mull them down, you know, and Jesus just can't wrap his head around that, And which I understand. I understand where that goes, and I understand of, of not, of you know, not trying to kill every single person. So I see where Jesus will go at that point. Now in the books, that doesn't happen because Tara is a later character who is added on a little bit earlier in the books or in the show than it is in the comic books. Um, and uh, another thing I want to mention about Morgan is that in this episode, he's in the outpost and he goes to little John Wick. Do you remember this episode? Yeah. God, he was like a one-man wrecking crew. I, it, it, I yeah, yeah. And the fact is, is that he's wearing, and this is this is actually stated in it. He's not wearing his armor. He's actually wearing the armor of the I young f- kid, of the young kid who was who was killed. Yeah, at the, and that, at does, the that doesn't yeah. that doesn't cover much. I mean, not that the armor that he had covered much anyway. It's not like he was wearing Kevlar. Yeah, he was wearing riot gear. That doesn't stop a bullet. But still, like I said, he's he's wearing. I mean, he's wearing dirt bike, uh, dirt bike chest piece of a of a teenager. You know. Yeah, he has like football, high school football shoulder pads on. <laughs> but in that scene where they they attack the outpost and he gets separated while everybody else outside, Jesus and Terror are kind of wrapping it up, and and the saviors decide to lay their arms down. He's inside just murdering people. That's probably one of the best scenes I've seen of Morgan. He goes from upstairs to downstairs to outside, and I I, I should have recounted, but it was like thirteen to fifteen people. I swear he killed. Well, it's because he st- they they left him for dead. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah. just he just stands up, looks at the other bodies, you know, next to him that basically became his flesh shields, his meat shields, yeah. and then just picks up the gun and his handgun. It's not like he. And that's the other thing. Not not an automatic gun. He just picks up a handgun and goes full James Bond on people. Yeah, you know he goes into savior mode, like he's trying to save himself. But he also gets that little twitch in him as the character plays it, like a little. And you can see he kind of goes to a different place. And because yeah. you can see as soon as he walks outside and the light hits him and he sees what's going on, he kind of snaps back into Morgan a little bit. And that's where the bipolar comes out some. So that's the uh, and that's the humanity side of it. Jesus in this episode and Tara kind of wants to kill and Jesus wants to save. Now in episode three, Monsters, um, Ezekiel, this episode, keeps the mantle of the Kim up and actually 
to himself, he believes what he is saying. Um, he has a couple scenes where he's has these little uh, mini speeches out in the woods. And I feel like that the actor's so good that he's actually believing that he, he what he's saying about being a king and uh, none of us are going to die. I, I, I really believe that he was he, he thought he wasn't going to lose a single person. I, I did. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, same here. Like, again, what I like also about this is that The Walking Dead has brought on people who have done more stage acting than they have done yeah. film. Rick Grimes, and yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and and by bringing these people into the light of this stuff, I'm very, very excited to see what the future holds for them in film because these guys they've created, they've they've shown their their acting chops with this series, and taking them out off stage and bringing them into into something where they become these iconic roles. People aren't when these people die off in the series, when the series ends, whatever people aren't going to be done with the actors. They're going to want to see more from them. And of course, the, yeah. dem- the demand is going to be so high yeah. when this ends that, I mean, I'm excited to see the direction where these actors and stuff go because the actor that plays Ezekiel, I'm trying to look his name up right now. Gary, uh, uh, what was it? Carol Payton. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just, I mean, yeah, he's a stage actor, but he and and the thing is, is he also talks about it in in, in, in the series. He was a stage yeah. actor. He's a stage yeah. actor on the side of being a zoologist, and so it was like this. It it, it just it fits, you know, and yep. and so I I just I want to see him in more stuff. Lenny James, you know, he's he's been in all he's been in all sorts of stuff. Uh, he's he's in uh, Destiny the game. He's also in. Uh, just in the most recently probably film that he's been in has been the uh, Blade Runner. He's in that. Oh, 2049? Yeah. yeah. Nice. I didn't know that. That's cool. I, I wanted to go back to episode two uh, and ask you about something. Did you give a rat's ass about Morales from season one showing up against Rick? Not it was a- like It was like the worst... It was like the worst hang, uh, you know, cliffhanger for an episode or even... I just could care less. Uh, and you know what is I could care less, but I almost feel, I almost feel like that was what we were supposed to feel because, you know, Rick tries to talk some sense into him, but then in comes Daryl to save the audience. And it's just like, it, 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 it's just a, it's a, a very shocking moment because it's just like, bam, he's dead. No, no, no. Uh, Daryl just gives two shits. Daryl's like audience. I'm saving you guys here. I'm laying them out. And usually Daryl wouldn't do that, but you're right. And this in this scene, Morales and Rick are talking, and Morales is talking so much. I, I felt like taking a nap and waking back up to see if he was done. I, I could care less a single word that came out of his mouth. It bored me to death. And you're right. Daryl came in and was like, oh, audience, you're bored here. Bam. And you're like, whoa. He woke me up. I'm like, oh, gunshot. What happened here? <clears throat> I, I, I like that analogy there. That's exactly what he did for us. All right, so back to episode three. Uh, just to point out people that I felt like had still humanity for this world and the show. Um, and good point. Morales Morales gets killed by Daryl very quickly, but before, I believe Daryl would have just put the gun to his head and made him lay down his arms and maybe handcuffed him or something like that and got out of there because the guns they're looking for are not there in the show. They're somewhere else. 
Now in the books, they don't know anything about these guns. This is a, a, a different side story that's not even there. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Daryl kind of lost hope for humanity. Um, he kills two people without hesitation. And actually, if you see that look on Rick's face as they're leaving there and the guy shoots at him and they kind of get behind the Jeep and he's like, look, I promise you, I'm not going to kill you if you just tell me what's going on. Or he wants some information out of him. And as soon as he gets the information, Daryl just shoots him and Rick gives him this look of like, what are you doing? This is not what we want to do. And that's why I brought up the point earlier in the books that he decided not to kill Negan because he wanted to show that they're different. They're better. They're going to build a community off of this. And and he was right. It's a tough decision to make. But he and eventually people realized that he was correct on this call. Daryl doesn't usually just shoot people straight up. And then in this season, he's kind of lost hope for anything. And he's lost hope for the saviors. And he, he feels bad for his friends being killed, Abraham. And I know he feels really bad for Glenn being killed because... And the way they portrayed it, Abraham was the was you know the guy that Negan was going to kill, and then Daryl said something, and then he killed Glenn. Yeah, and he says you have to pay for that now. So I know he feels bad for that, and he feels like he owes Maggie something, or he feels like he owes the people something in this, and that's not portrayed in the books because there is no Daryl character, which I do love Daryl though. I love that's another part of character they added to the show that I really enjoy. Especially his brother with the governor with the hook on his hand. Ah, that was Merle. Great. Yeah, Merle. I love Merle. Uh, so, and episode three. This is uh, this is where Jesus is actually trying to hold on hope, and Tara and Morgan are actually kind of against him. And this is where Morgan and Jesus get into a little fight. Not in episode two. This one, Morgan kind of shows his bipolar side inside the outpost before, and this is where he tells him that. He, he's not himself, and he kind of gives him a blank stare, and he walks away, and we're not really sure where he goes. You, you find out later on that he just went, for whatever reason, he just went to the Saviors and and now is working with the kingdom to snipe. I, I didn't understand that at all. I don't know if you picked up on that. He just he told Jesus that he's not right, and he kind of just walked away from the group. And the next thing you know, he's at the Savior's place playing Sniper Boy with the you know with the other character with the other characters from the kingdom. I, I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> I thought it was bad writing. I thought it was kind of terrible for the Morgan character. I think he just, I think he went where he had, like, he just said he's not right. Where are you going to go if you're not right, but yet you're fighting where you're at's done? You're going to go where you have the opportunity to kill people. <sighs> yeah, maybe so. he wanted to, maybe in his, in the character's mind on the show, maybe he still wanted to fight for the boy that was killed. At the, uh, the the meeting between the savers and then when they're giving yeah. him the food and the boy gets killed by the the long haired guy I can't think of his name um, I don't know if they even give us uh, give him a name in the show but yeah I just didn't understand that point he just kind of disappeared then he shows up again and I was like oh what this is, I figured because we knew that he was gonna be part of the fear of the Walking Dead I figured when he's walking away that that might be it right there you know what I yeah, mean yeah yeah <laughs> and then he just shows up again. Another cool thing in this episode is that we have Jack and Jill style zombies. They kind of start falling down the hill and rolling towards them, towards everybody on the street and everything. I really love that scene where everybody's trying to like figure out what's going on and we got these Jack and Jill zombies just rolling down. <laughs> it, it's it's pretty good. In this episode too, you have Gregory being this little sniveling, little whiny uh, coward. 
you know, he's trying to get back in favor at the hilltop, but at this point, Jesus and the hilltop is following Maggie now. Now in the books, they don't really follow Maggie until Maggie runs the counter-strike against Negan at the Saviors or at Alexandria and then brings them back home and all in one piece without losing anybody. That's when actually a lady says, no, you are the leader. Um, not Jesus. A another character, a lady that's in the books, tells her, you let us there, you let us back, and you are in charge. She's like, I don't want to be in charge. She's like, nope, you are in charge. She's like, ah. So Maggie doesn't really take that mantle until that point. So she takes a little bit sooner in the show because she's actually not at the Saviors either because she's pregnant. They won't allow her to go fight. Okay. Um, another two characters that I really liked, and I know I think you like them too, is Aaron and Eric. Um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the two. And, uh, you know, we lose we lose one of them. Uh, we lose Eric, and those were two really good characters. And in the books, they're the ones that go out and brought people to Alexandria, Alexandria, and they're the ones that came and got Rick's group, and they brought them to Alexandria. So I, I really didn't like losing one of them. But in the books, we lose one of them too. So it's it it's kind of the same. I did um, find it. I did find it interesting that they didn't you know they didn't show him up close they just showed him far away walking away and that they didn't have they didn't have Aaron shoot him yeah and the books is different they actually give him a burial okay so there's a little bit more humanity to than what they did in the show the show they just let him kind of waltz off on his own you know as a dead I didn't get that either I, I thought Aaron should have killed him and took him back with him and buried him properly yeah but Another thing that the show did a little bit different that I didn't care for. Now, later on in the books, a little bit of spoiler here for anybody that's ever read the books. Uh, actually, um, there gets to a point where I think it's Andrea is telling Jesus that he should talk to Aaron. They should hook up because Jesus is also, you know, he's also homosexual in the show. Yeah. And that's a really cool. That's another cool storyline, but that happens years down the line. And see, that's the first thing that happened. Is I was thinking, like, oh, they're setting this up for Jesus and for Aaron and Jesus yep. to get together. That was the first thing I thought. And uh, at the end of the episode, too, which was kind of cool scene that's not in the books that I really enjoyed is Baby Grace. I know it was kind of weird to find a baby, and it's kind of off, but I did like the fact that Baby Grace was given to Aaron to give him some type of light of hope. Um, yeah. As he just lost somebody, he just kind of gained somebody. Um, there's that to it. There's not much more to it than that, I think. We might never see Baby Grace again. You barely see Judith as it is. Now, uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say about uh, episode uh, episode four, Some Guy. Yeah. Now, there was a lot of confusion here on this episode uh, because – we were talking about the big guns. We're yeah. talking about everybody getting you know, getting mowed over and everything. People were saying that the first person that they saw jump on King Ezekiel was Jerry. I don't remember seeing, when I went through and rewatched it, I still don't remember seeing Jerry jump on King Ezekiel. I see a bunch of other people yeah, jump you're on right. that got shot up. Jerry, you yeah, don't see right. anywhere. Yeah, and Jerry, Jerry doesn't show up till the end. And actually, Jerry's a different guy. Uh, there there is a character like that in the books, but he Ezekiel actually has another head of security that he favors, um, but he loses him in that same scene. So that scene does happen in the books. Um, the outpost is not taken by Ezekiel. 
Um, Carol is not in the books right now. So that whole scene was just them getting mauled down and Ezekiel alone finding himself walking through the woods. Um, Shiva, the tiger, saves his life in the toxic zombie area. She gets overthrown, just like the show had it. Um, but but at that point, Ezekiel was alone, and he was telling it in a story to Michonne. And he was actually telling Michonne the story of how he got back, um, which was pretty interesting. Now, in the show, he gets mauled down. Carol finds her way into the outposts, and the guys are coming around the corner. I don't know if he picked on this, but I was in construction for a while. And she climbs up in the ceiling. And then she kind of shoots them through the ceiling real quick and kills a bunch of the guys and then jumps down. Well, that's a T-bar ceiling for <laughs> these loose pieces that usually you put in restaurants or business buildings. Yeah, it's the floating like, ceiling. So you can have all your venting and stuff easily accessible. Yep, exactly. And it's called a T-bar ceiling. Yeah, exactly. And there's no way Carol could have laid up there at all. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah, you'd fall right through it. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's uh, one thing. Another thing in that episode, too. Um. Ezekiel is grabbed by Fire Marshal Bill. I don't know if you noticed that guy, but he looks just like Jim Carrey from In Living Color, Fire Marshal Bill. That guy had the weirdest Jim Carrey-looking face to me uh, I ever seen. Uh, but he Everybody calls re- that zombie that, too. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. They do reference, he does reference that he's going to give Negan what he wants, and he's going to put your head on a pike. He's going to put Rick the king, and the widow on a pike. Now, this is spoiling, and this is going to be spoiler for you. So in the comic books, Ezekiel's head is eventually on a pike. Well, see, but that was also because Ezekiel became a villain in the comics. No. Oh, I thought he I, th- I thought he became a villain. I thought it was eventually it was... Uh, no. He turned the, against everybody, against Rick. We were, talk- we were talking about, maybe this is off the show, but we were talking about the Whispers. Oh, and okay. I, and I felt like Alpha was, because I don't feel like the show is going to make it to the Whispers. I know it's not. Um, it better not. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But uh, the garbage people, that character, I believe they just took, pulled from Alpha, who was the leader of the Whispers in the book. Now, Alpha and the Whispers wear skin masks. They cut the zombie skin off, and they put the skin masks on, and they actually just hide in hordes of zombies. They walk slowly with them, and they actually push them in different directions, and they'll pull zombie hordes towards you, and that's how they get you. And then all of a sudden, you're fighting a horde of zombies, and all of a sudden, these zombies start pulling out knives and start stabbing you, and that's how the Whispers work, and it's freaky as hell. It's an awesome story arc in the books. It's freaky as hell, but in the books... They walk into the festival and without their masks on, so nobody knows who they are, and they kidnap Ezekiel and chop his head off and put it on a pike. Which, so the only reason I'm spoiling this is because Fire Marshal Bill in the show references that he's going to have his head on a pike. And I thought for a second, are we going to see Ezekiel die here? You know, because a lot of main characters have not fallen, you know, since Glenn and Abraham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That episode, episode four, now I'm kind of going through this quickly. I'm just picking, I'm just saying, Damien, things that I noticed, that, yeah. especially about the humanity part of things. Um, so Carol sacrifices the big guns and lets the big guns leave, the 50 cows, for saving the king and Jerry at the fence. She shoots the fence and, you know, the, all three yeah. of them make it back to the kingdom. 
Uh, and another thing that we talked about off the show uh, with Chris and Cajun and you and a couple other people is that Shiva, the tiger, doesn't really work in this world anymore. And it's probably an expensive uh, CGI character. <laughs> and so the way they killed her off is very similar to the books. It's just Ezekiel didn't have a hurt leg. In the books, he kind of just walked through it, and Shiva saved his life, and he just kept on, and she sacrificed herself for the king. Um, and, the, and in the TV show, it was like a, a hobbled guy could barely make it through. Two people had to drag him out, and then this huge tiger just gets stuck in it. It was a little weird, but it did reference the books. It wasn't too far off, but I, I still don't like how it was done. Okay. It was a li- yeah, it was a little... Uh, it was a little cheesy how the the tiger kind of just jump out of that four foot hole, or whatever you know. But I could see how they were like, "Hey," and I think Cajun brought this up. Hey, expensive tiger, we gotta pad this in. It's hard to have this in. Might as well kill this off. But he was killed off in that point in the books anyway. So instead of having a character die, you have a tiger die. The tiger, you know, is part of the yeah, show. People yeah. enjoy the tiger. Um. And now in episode five, the big scary you, this is a pretty good beginning of an episode between Negan and uh, Gabriel. Now yeah. we're five episodes in that season eight, five episodes, and we've barely seen Negan. The best character on the show right now, the best portrayal of a character on the show right now, um, even ahead of Ezekiel, how much I love Ezekiel or Rick, Jeffrey D. Morgan is the best thing on the show. I know you agree with me. Oh, yeah. And. And now we're five episodes in, and we're just now getting a long dialogue or just a long shot or just him in any scene, which is absolutely ridiculous. This is one reason why we didn't talk about the show so much as it was going on episode by episode. The show was frustrating. The first eight episodes were just extremely frustrating, and a lot of it for us off the show, we were talking about where's Negan? Where is Jeffrey D. Morgan? Why is he not involved in this? There is a story arc here of Rick and the Saviors and the Kingdom and the Hilltop all coming up with this plan to take down Negan. And in the books, it just seems like it went a lot faster. It's a lot more brutal, though. Um, but in this confession between Gabriel and Negan, you do learn that Negan tells how his wife died, uh, Lucille. You know, that his bad is named Lucille. Um, he does say a line in there when he gets out of the little uh, mobile home with Gabriel and uh, they get up into the Savior's building and basically the workers are confronting, you know, Dwight, Simon, and Eugene. He says this stupid line, I wear a leather jacket, I carry a baseball bat, my nuts, my, my nuts are made of steel. Now, Negan in the books will say <laughs> something like this. He'll talk about his his uh his appendages and his balls and but the way they do in the books I know it cusses a lot and it says a lot of four letter language a lot of f words it's just so much funnier man it's just it just works so much better so this line right here I, I do you remember when he got up there and said this line oh yeah it it just was brutal man I, I was like ah oh, he's such a good character we finally see him we just have a good scene with him and Gabriel. They have a good conversation. Him and Gabriel kind of help each other to stay alive. And that's another point where Negan favors as saving people as a resource, you know, than killing them. He could have easily just kicked Gabriel off the edge there and 
and let all the zombies eat him and save themselves, but he didn't. He pulled them along with him. And then he comes up, and he has this one line, and it's great. He whistles. And he comes up, and then he has this dumb line. It's just like, ugh. That's and, uh, to, to be honest, that was where I was like, okay, I'm Team Negan. Uh, Negan, I'm, yeah. I, I'm Negan. Yeah. It's it, it just... It, I don't know why the show decided that they were going to do this... This fictional plan that's going to happen because we know it happens because, you know, in the books, the source material, it does happen. But in the show, they have to drag it on so far and make it so secretive of what's going on and what they're doing. And in the books, it's very blunt and it's straightforward. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of uh, driving a motorcycle down and blowing up barrels, if you know what I mean. It's just gunshot. <laughs> they just use gunshots to get the horde towards the um, towards the savior's you know home. Um, I don't know why I keep saying that. What is the, what do they call the sanctuary? The sanctuary, yeah. Yeah. And even in this episode, we find out that the characters in the show are bored of the plan. They're tired of the plan. They can't stick to the plan. They don't want to follow Rick's plan. And mostly that's Daryl and Tara. But even I think that's another reference to the audience where the Daryl's looking at the audience and going, I know you guys are bored of this plan. I'm bored of it too. You know, so I'm going to take it in a different direction. I, I thought that was kind of funny, and that references what you said earlier about killing yeah. him around. So, yep. yeah, I, as soon as I saw him do that, I was like, oh, he's bored of this too. I get it, you know. And, and the thing is, is that Daryl, being the fact that he's, you know, how many T-shirts, how many memes out there, if Daryl dies, we we, we, are, we rage, you know, or we rebel or whatever. Yeah. What, you know, what, what, you have all those things out there that state that stuff. So then it, it makes sense to make Daryl be the audience. <laughs> yeah kind of yeah because he's not in the books either yeah so he could be the audience yeah i do like the fight between daryl and rick i think that was kind of interesting and um different uh the first time they kind of didn't see eye to eye because daryl's usually been on rick's side and i like how yeah. daryl puts him in a chokehold and rick says chokeholds are illegal asshole <laughs> i i do like that and then it kind of shows in this episode it kind of goes back and shows uh the savior side of episode one, we're in their meeting and Rick shoots the guns and Negan comes down. And he's like, oh, sorry, I was in a meeting. I do like that they went back and they showed kind of the savior side of the things or Negan side of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I didn't understand why uh, Gabriel was sick either. It was a question I had. You know how he got sick at the end of the episode and Eugene was yeah. trying to help him? And he said, no, you got to get the doctor to the Maggie at the hilltop. I didn't understand what happened to him. I don't know if the guts from the zombie made him sick because he covered himself in guts. Um, I don't know what happened to him. It, I don't think it was really explained. Like, I mean, I if he had any cuts or something like that, he could have been had an infection. And yeah, because if you have the fever, because in the books, Negan takes his, and this might happen in next in next season. I might be spoiling an episode of 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 the, the you know the next uh, uh next year you know at season eight. Yeah. Uh, when they f- eventually go at it with Rick, they take their uh, melee weapons and they dig them into zombies, and they put all the the mucus and guts and and blood on the zombies. So when they cut you, you're instantly affected. So no matter what, even if they stab you a little bit, and you think you're going to survive, you're going to die. Which is kind of interesting. Which is also kind of disgusting. <laughs> it yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler. But they do that in the books. Um. 
So maybe that's what happened to Gabriel. I didn't really understand that. Uh, and the garbage people in episode six are brought back in, and I just I hate this so much, Damien. I hate the garbage people. I hate that they went back to it. I thought when they got rid of it, they were listening to the fans and like, why are you doing this to us? And they brought us they brought us back to these monotone idiots. <laughs> <laughs> They're like cavemen, though. They, they, they are, they are, and I don't know how you go from. I mean, because they lived in a civilization before this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how you go from that, unless unless you got like you know you broke your group mostly broke out of like an insane asylum or something like that. If you said something like that, then yeah, maybe maybe I'd listen. Maybe I'd be like, okay, some of these people are just crazy and they're just following someone else. But it makes it so hard to try to even come up with a reasoning for them to speak like this. Like it just. It baffles me. Like, yeah, you know, there's a reason why. There's a reason why Ezekiel talks the way he does. He explains it. You know, Carol's is point of content where he exposes the fact that he understands he's not a king. But this, there's no reason for us to listen to these people and have any point of why their language has degraded. I don't understand at all how a group of people. I'm not saying she's not intelligent because she obviously obviously can make deals and lead a group of people, but I understand one, why they can't speak and two, why they decide in this world that they're going to live in garbage. I just, well, it does make the garbage does make for an easy way for them to maneuver and create walls and things like that. So I guess, and resources. Yeah. Resources. Yeah. I guess I, I I mean, that, that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. I just hate them so much. I hate that they brought them in there. Uh, I thought we were done with them, and then Rick pulls them back in. Every time they try to pull me out, they pull me back in. Uh, also in this episode, uh, Maggie decides to keep the 39 Sabres they have as hostage, which plays out in the later episode, uh, and sides with Jesus and builds them a prison inside the kingdom. Or I'm sorry, inside the, uh, the hilltop. Um, and that plays out in, you know, late in episode eight of season eight. Um, also the King's mantle has kind of fallen in this, in this episode. Ezekiel is depressed and this happens in the books too, before the war, Ezekiel gets kind of depressed and he falls on hard times and Carol's here to inspire him. Now in the books, it's Michonne. Michonne and him are, are love interests in the books. And, uh, oh, okay. yeah. And it actually works really well. Um, not just because of the hair. Um, because they kind of have this, <laughs> because she kind of sees through his bullshit also, kind of like Carol does, of the whole King Mantle. Um, now, the cliffhanger for this episode eight was Carl. Now, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Damien, because I just want to ask you something. And in episode six, Carl is trying to help Sadiq. The guy he found at the gas station. He's trying to bring him back mm-hmm. and bring him down. He, he takes him down to the sewer or something we don't see. But when I was talking about earlier when he fell into the deer carcass, I went back and kind of rewound that a couple times. And there's a part where he knocks one guy off of him. The lady zombie falls on him. And then the other guy comes back onto him. Now, he comes back onto him where you can't see his head. Kind of in that in that lower stomach region. Yeah. He stabs her. He shoots her. And then shoots him. I think at that point that's where he got bit at. 
Yeah, I mean, part of me, I mean, this is this is me hoping against hope, which is probably not going to happen. Part of me was like, you know, you know, he's fighting saviors. Someone gets he gets someone on the ground. A, a, a human can bite you too, even though it, it looked I, I like human that, teeth mark. Also, right? That that yeah, yeah, it looked like it didn't it didn't look because like when the zombies bite you, it's more to- tearing. Like they grab and they tear. Yeah, it looked like an infant looked, bottom bit him, where they just kind of pressed your teeth into you. Yeah, and so it looks like it looks like he got. Like, to me, it looked like, oh, yeah, someone, like, jumped at him and bit, you know, or maybe he's someone, you know, he was killing a savior, the savior's dying, and they think, oh, well, if I bite you, you're going to be infected. If I'm dying, maybe in their head, they think if they bite him, he's going to be infected, but he's not yet, you know, because the guy's still breathing or whatever. We, You know, there's, but the where I don't, it's like, I'm trying to hold out hope for, for Carl. However... If you follow anything with anything with the actor, you know that the actor bought a house down there in Atlanta, yeah, uh, in, in Atlanta, and then didn't want this to happen. He was playing, and is now like, okay, now I got to sell my house. Now you know, yeah, his father this. was upset about the way he died. Um, obviously, he's not going to be dead, dead yet. So he's obviously going to be, yeah, in the fall, you know. But we kind of know that because of what came out in media. And interviews, and uh, me and you both read the same interview where he was frustrated by this. We know that he's going to eventually die. Un- unless, unless this it's is a bait some and switch. Really bait and switch. Yeah. This is like one of the best bait and switches ever. I was thinking that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you manage to do this, this is like some next level, <laughs> uh, uh, like, this is some next level Ryan Reynolds Deadpool yeah. shit you're doing right now, you know? So, if if that's the if that's the case, you know, bravo, you fooled one over on us. And if if it's not, then you know it sucks because I really started to like the character and I like the idea of this whole thing ending and going forward and seeing old man Carl, to, and it's him telling a story about his father and the event. You know, because everything's been following Rick, it would have made sense for Carl to be talking about his dad, and you know telling the whole story and he could have been telling the story to other survivors and stuff. And it would have been this whole, almost like maybe if he was like almost like a nation of survivors, cause it's been so far in the future that they've got everybody together. That would have been a cool way to end it. Yeah. And you're right now, now, now they took it away. Like that theory is if, if he's gone, that theory is just bam, it's out the door. And it's just like, well, gee, thanks guys. So in that scene I'm talking about where I think he might've got bit there while he's laying on the deer he is wearing clothes so yeah. if he got bit down there maybe just the teeth got through so there wasn't really any tearing part but i agree with you completely when they showed the bite mark on him it just didn't look like any other bite mark that we've seen yeah yeah it looked like a human bite mark now in the books what just happened is that andrea was lightly bitten and slowly died to the point where she was able to rest and alexandria and everybody got to come and say their goodbyes and i love you and thank you for all your hard work and all all of this so since andrea is not in the books anymore maybe that's what they're doing here is they're using carl to play out this because it was very strong in the books i i really liked it even to the point where negan came up and told andrea 
how he felt about her. Um, so maybe wow. that's what they're playing out here as the Carol Carl character. That, but the war is not over yet. So I don't, I don't understand the choice of this really. And this is episode eight. How is it going to be? I'm skipping episode seven. Time, time for after. Time for after is about Eugene, which we touched on earlier about Eugene's character. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that episode, um, and we talked about how it's portrayed in the comic books into the show right now. Now, episode eight, how is it going to be? We have the grenade throwing that we talked about earlier. The houses are burning. The people have to get out. And now they're down in the sewer. In the books, the hilltop people come down, flank Negan, and basically everybody goes back to the hilltop. And that's the last stronghold right there. That's how the books work out. And it's basically a mono a mono. It basically goes down to a mono a mono in the books, which is really cool. Uh, I won't spoil that too much because I hope that plays out in the show. Um, But in episode 8, we see that Carl has been bitten. And it's just so weird that they're taking this direction of a cliffhanger of killing off one of the most prominent characters that we've been watching for 8 years now. I just don't really understand the decision at all. I I don't, and I understand that Chandler didn't want to leave the show, uh, so I don't really understand what's going on. Um, I hope that the second half of season eight is. I hope I hope it saves itself, and this is the point where, Damien, I'm just gonna say that season nine is already happening. They already talked about it. Um, actually, I have uh. See, I thought that I was reading that they actually went through to season ten. It's season. Uh, what's uh season ten? Yeah, it could be. I just looked up what season nine, and they were already referencing uh early details about season nine. Um, yeah, which you can look up and you can find. It's not a, not really a spoiler. Um, but I'm hoping that season eight saves itself from the first half of season eight. Because how slow and drawn out this first half of All Out War is. And I know they have to draw it out because Negan's storyline is the best storyline in The Walking Dead. And I feel like as soon as this Negan storyline is over, and they might they might end up killing him. They might not save him. I, I don't know what direction they'll take because who knows. But yeah. I feel like they're going to show us maybe an episode of Future Rick and the White Light and the Great, and the great Festival. And I feel like that's when they're going to end the show. And I, I hope that's when they end the show. You can't really take this much farther. And I know season two was a big lull. Season three at the farm bored a lot of people. I, I still enjoyed it. Um, Same here. A lot of ep- seasons have been very strong, especially the governor seasons. But this is the worst Walking Dead that we've seen so far. These first eight episodes. Just for uh, the listeners to have an understanding, so episode one of season eight, this is the episode 100, it, oh, mercy, it opened up to view to 11.44 million viewers. Yep. Okay. Now, sitting at episode eight, how's it going to be? We're at 7.89 million views. And they still say it's like number two in iTunes downloads. Um, they still yes, they're, they're still getting strong numbers. Yeah, in DVR, see that see this was live, so that that was that that was the live viewers. Okay, yeah. 
Now, now DVR, DVRs uh, between in the num- number one of shows, it is rated. Uh, it fluctuated each episode. Uh, like number monsters is two point two, uh, but uh, episode eight was number two out of most DVR shows. And then DVR viewers in the millions. So if you're adding this in, uh, it hasn't for the people who are watching it or streaming it, it's actually not getting, it's actually staying for a total of views. It's keeping at regular. So if you were to count all viewers. So the pace is staying the same, basically. The pace is staying the same. So Mercy had 15.74 million viewers. If you count all the ways that people watch that episode, right? And then it as it dropped from fifteen point seven four on episode one hundred to or number one hundred of the of the series to episode number eight of of the series, which is the mid season break, to twelve point thirteen million. But when you think about that, when you when you think about that number, twelve point thirteen million, that is still one of the top rated tv shows for viewers for advertisements and everything like that so when you have a show a company like amc there is no way in hell with those numbers when you have tv shows on other networks that are only getting two three million views oh yeah and they're still keeping the series 12.13 million total viewers this show as still regardless of what anybody says will maintain a series for years to come until those numbers dip to where you're only seeing maybe like, because you got to think about production value and the amount that you're having to pay these actors too. Uh, if you ca- calculate all that in, you're thinking that until the numbers start dropping to where you're only seeing like five, you know, between five and three million views on this series, that's when you might start seeing them look at look at shutting down it as it is and rebooting with maybe a no name cast where it's cheaper for them. Yeah. And then they're able to continue and get more views because it's a new story, and it can they can reboot that thing. And yeah, the actors will get paid more as the seasons go along, but they can reboot that cost effectiveness, you know, cost to to viewers viewership ratio. I they're still so, making money. There's and money, yeah, they're, they're still making money hand over fist with yeah. with advertising and for this money thing. and money's if money's going to run everything. And if you're not making yeah. money, you're not making shows. But they're making money. Yeah. I mean. I, I'm a, I'm I love all the paraphernalia. I have all the toys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have the T-shirts. I have the stuff. You know, I I enjoy the whole characters on on. I like buying the toys for the characters on the TV side, and I like buying the toys from the characters on the on the comic book side because they look a little bit different. Um, so yeah, you're you're 100 correct. They're not losing a lot of viewerships. Uh, the critics and the fans, um that read the books and know the show and know the lore, then not enjoy the first eight episodes of this season. And I know you said episode one opened up very strongly. Actually, critics like this season over some of the other seasons. Critics actually are liking the season, but the fans are the ones that are speaking against this season, actually. I I can see some of the critics liking it better than maybe season two or season three where they're just kind of stuck at the, the farm. I, I can see that a little bit because there's a little bit more action to it. There's, you know, there's movement. Um, the story does move incredibly far where you have a home for these people. And then at the end of, you know, episode eight, it's basically blown up. And, you know, you got Negan walking in whistling with his baseball bat. Um, 
So I can see, I can see how some of the critics might like that. I just, as a Walking Dead fan, did not enjoy the first eight episodes. And as we referenced before, that's why we really haven't talked to them. We referenced them on previous casts. We are waiting kind of break down the whole season and kind of break down what's the difference between the books and why the show took it this direction. And the way Carol, Carl, sorry, not Carol, Carl is in the books, he, like you said, he eventually will be the leader of everything if, if Rick passes away. He's like second command. It's like a, you know, it's like a monarchy now. Yeah. And a lot of people follow him. He's been through a lot. Um, and with Andrea passing away in the books, this is this is the guy. Uh, so for them to kill off Carl, or if this is the, the craziest, best bait and switch of all times, and it was just bitten by a human and he's not infected, um, then that's crazy. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if I'd like it or I'd be pissed off at them. I don't know how I'd feel about it <laughs> yet. But uh, they're taking the show a, a, a way different direction, and that's why I feel like, I, I like you said, you said they might go see 10 seasons. I, I just don't see how, man. I, I don't see how you would go past this Negan war with the TV show. Well, a lot's going to have to do with... I feel a lot's going to have to do with how we see how Morgan's character interacts or, or goes on with Fear the Walking Dead. The I mean, because the other thing is when we're talking about uh, TV shows that are continuing to create product and all this stuff and comics. I mean, in 2018, we have what looks to be a really great co-op game coming out based on The Walking Dead. Now, it's not – this takes place in D.C., just shortly after the after the outbreak happens, but the idea of this of this uh, game actually makes it just goes to show that if you were to start over with a different group, you could still get something that's really cool. Now, uh, Overkill's The Walking Dead. It's a four uh, it's a four player co op shooter, similar to that of like you know Left for Dead and things like that, but on a different on a different scale. Uh, basically, uh, the game takes place in DC, not too long after the apocalypse begins. Players go on missions and raids, securing supplies and survivors to strengthen their base camp against the threat of both the dead and the living by any means necessary. This is according to the press release that was released on the game. Okay. Now this starts sounding a little bit familiar. Yeah. You're going to start thinking of, you know, an upcoming game, zombie game, which is the, uh, which is State of Decay 2. Now, the difference is is that this, the characters, you, you pick your class you play as, one of the four characters that are available in it. Uh, and each character class has different skills, weapons, and story arcs. There's four characters. The action is close up and intense. Uh, you take out enemies carefully with silent melee attacks or go in guns blazing. You need to be able to improvise and nothing is certain. And a horde of walkers is always around the corner. Stealth is an op- as an option is great, and hopefully Overkill, the company that's developing it, strikes a good balance between that and shooting. So basically, they're taking some of the best aspects of the TV show and putting this into a game that's releasing on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Uh, the trailer that they put out for it, just the teaser trailer, looks really good. Yeah. And this, I mean, this is where I'm saying is is that. The Walking Dead is not going away from anyone. If anybody's afraid that you know their go- zombies aren't going to be on TV, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Zomb- yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- this The Walking Dead will be 
one way or the other, Walking Dead will be in your life. Yep. If it if it's this care if it's this group that we've been following for the last you know, y- shoot eight years, eight years, eight years, man, eight years we've been following this cast. Yeah. Uh, if if it's this cast, great. If it's not, you know, that's just something as fans we have to accept that things have to change and things have to move on. It doesn't mean that we don't we stop being fans of the actors that played these roles or anything like that. We just have to have faith in the fact that if they start over, they're going to start over and they're going to put everything they got. Like they're going to make sure that they still give us good content because the thing is, if they don't, the fans are going to speak and they're going to lose money and they don't want to lose money. Yeah, they're not going to lose money. (laughs) And like you said, adding Morgan to the fear of the walking dead might boost that show a little bit, but season three for the people that have watched it have really enjoyed it. So even if, if, the title or the mantra of the walking dead ends there's always going to be the fear of the walking dead or they'll reboot walking dead in london like i talked about earlier with you off the show there was a comic book that was blessed by robert kirkman to start and the character started off in london and they were starting at the beginning of the outbreak um which was really interesting um you could take this concept any different directions you could start it in the middle you could start it at the end you could start it at the beginning um, starting at the beginning again is much more interesting than the world yes. that's fallen upon, you know, Rick and everybody at Alexandria, 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 Jeez, Alexandria <laughs> Hilltop and the kingdom. Those people um, now in the uh, at the end of episode eight, we talked about the spoiler of Carl. I talked about how I don't really enjoy, I didn't enjoy season eight myself so far i'm i hope it continues and is better in season eight um i don't see how far they can take it past the negan war um even if they don't end it at the end of season eight and they carry this on through season nine damien i'm going to be disappointed i don't think you could carry this for a whole another season you know i'm i'm gonna be cautiously cautiously optimistic now i know people call me the care bear now yeah, I haven't I haven't caught all the episodes. A lot of these episodes, I'd go a couple days after the fact without watching them. I wasn't so afraid to see spoilers and stuff like that, and that made me sad. You know, and I'm gonna admit that. But I do think that it has the potential. Like, I mean, I'm just I'm just telling you, I want them to merge Fear the Walking Dead and bring those actors in with the Walking Dead and go a new direction. If they do that. I think that that's something that they can they can salvage, and they can blaze a new trail. And the thing is, if they do that, nobody knows anything that's going to happen. So they're going to automatically, at least for a season or two, they would pick up viewers because there's no comics that would follow those characters that would follow that for them to, to like. There's no more source material. It's a completely new thing has completely separated itself away from the comics. And it seems the direction that they're already starting to go. So if maybe that's what's going to happen. And if that is, then, you know, the comics are great. There's references of characters to those comics. Maybe some of those more characters will come into the show, but their character arc could be completely different. Uh, yeah, you could take this in multiple different directions if you wanted to. And like you mentioned before, Morgan joining that, you could have, you know, like Terra was a later on character you could have her going to the fear of the walking dead or some of the characters that haven't been along you know for 
uh, eight seasons, which we only have a few left. Uh, Michonne, Carol, um, Daryl, Carl. Mm, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, everybody else joined on. Like even Maggie was part of the farm season three. So, yeah, so yep. you could easily use even Maggie, who's only been on for five five seasons now. Somebody like that, because she, like you said, you think she's could be the new leader of this group. You could take it that direction, where something happens to Rick, whatever, and Maggie is the new leader, which I would enjoy that. And, you know, as the alpha character, like we talked about the whispers, Maggie could be alpha. And she, yeah. and she could do that. <laughs> so I was looking up because you were talking about uh, them adding on a 10th season. So there's definitely season nine, Damien. Um, yeah. I just didn't see a lot about season 10, or I do see something about maybe rolling back and just doing nine seasons and not doing a 10th season. Now, I know you're optimistic, but how do you, how would you feel if Negan's character does not die at the end of season eight. I don't want him to die. I'm team Negan. Good. Okay. So I don't want him to die either. <laughs> um, I wanted to take it that direction. This is what I want. I want the end of season eight to happen. Um, I want them to fast forward to old man Rick for season nine, where eventually the whispers do show up and they have to Negan needs, they need Negan's help. Uh, I like that, and then I like Negan becoming the leader of either the Whispers or going back to the Saviors, and now we're following Negan. I know that takes a different direction in the comic books. I know that takes it just a whole different way, but Jeffrey D. Morgan, I don't know how long he wants to play this character or how long he can. I wish he could talk the way he does talk in the books, but I understand it's cable television. I want it to go that direction, and that's a total Team Negan direction, you know? Let Nick be, yeah, but let, I mean, let Nick Rick it's be entertaining. old. Yeah, let Rick be old and run his community and uh, build his bread and farm and uh, do all the things they're doing in the books right now. And let's take Negan and a group of guys and let's go more exploring. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Canada. Let's just go oh north. Oh my god! Just because it, you go north because you're adding the cold and, and dead flesh. I mean, that's just that's going to change up a lot. Frozen of stuff. zombies. It could be White Walkers. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, I know that's far-fetched, but I feel like Jeffrey D. Morgan is the best thing on the show. I would love just to have Morgan continue that character. Go ahead. Let's jump forward. I, in the books, it doesn't really reference how far it jumps forward. It jumps forward some because um, all of a sudden they have their community up. They have their pathways to the kingdom and um, their roads to the hilltop all saved. They have they have this whole community set up now. So it jumps ahead sometime, maybe one, two years. I'm not really sure. Maybe they reference it and I don't remember. But let's just go ahead and jump forward. Let's get Negan out and let's break him free. Even if they have to bust him out. Let's have Dwight bust him out again. I don't care. <laughs> let's just run with that, man. Because I think I think some of your point is is that you could take some of these characters that are good and move them to the fear of the walking dead, but you could take the walking dead into a different different, you know, direction. And some yeah. of these characters that we've had for eight seasons that maybe we're tired of or maybe we're not tired of, and we could just move on. Yeah, it's like, or just give them a break. Let them have their time to go do their other stuff. Yeah, and then 
And then while you're giving them their break, and if they choose they want to come back, the writers are like, hey, hey, we can bring them back in. Or if they don't come back, you know, they have their swan song. They're able to go off yeah. and do their own thing. And then the people who are fans of it, who want to stay with it, aren't ready for it to end, can take it in a different direction and give fans something new, something exciting. Even if this, this was it, even if it was Negan was going to be the new Aaron and find more people for the community... And you just had a bunch of guys with leather jackets wearing, you know, riding motorcycles with Daryl and Negan. And they just take off and they start, you know, trying to find more people to build their community and bring them to a community where they can be safe. And that, that way they can restart the world again, basically. I, I would love yeah. I would love to see that because we already have the show on AMC where Daryl uh, is riding around on a motorcycle. Yeah, is riding on a motorcycle. Just take it into the show, man. Let's just take Negan and let's just shove him out the door and let him just go explore. I would love to see this. And I know it wouldn't be the same character. I know it wouldn't be the badass, you know, I'm going to kill you with a baseball bat character. He would have to evolve somehow, but I still think he's the best thing on the show right now. Yeah, same here. So that is season eight of The Walking Dead, the eight episodes uh, so far. I know we went back a little bit to season one. We talked about the books and... Uh, we were kind of all over the place here and there, but we kind of had some type of structure there, hopefully, <laughs> and nobody got lost. Uh, I didn't enjoy the first half of season eight. Um, I hope it changes, and the next eight episodes for season eight, I hope it saves itself. Um, what, how did you feel about season eight, Damien? I didn't think I got your opinion on that. Uh, honestly, I'm kind of I'm I'm in the same same route. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, however, you did say that. Okay, I want I want to, however. I want that feel that I have to see it. Like if I have to work the night that it airs, I want that feeling that when I get home, I can't go to sleep. I have to, you know, or when I get, I have to watch the episode and then I can go to sleep. It's like, I have to not watch, go to social media because I don't want something to be spoiled. Yep. I want, I want to have that. I'm saying I want a lot, but it's just, it's, yeah. that's, I guess that's kind of the thing that this season has left you. It's left you wanting. And for a series that's based off of your fan following, you don't want to leave your fans wanting. You want to give them stuff, and then on the on the, when you have a break, leave them wanting, leave them feigning, give them that that cliffhanger. Not have the whole entire season so far be want want want. Where's my give give give? Yeah, and, where's my payoff? Yeah, the end of episode eight where Negan is hucking grenades over the wall into Alexandria. I can't say that word for some reason now. I liked it. I know that's part, that's part yeah. of the books. I liked it. In the books, he says a lot of crazy things as he's hucking them, so it kind of makes you chuckle a little bit. He's like, give me another one. This is fun. But he says it in you know four-letter language. Um, it, it's really, really good. And I know uh, we got the, the scene where Dwight kind of shoots everybody in the back and uh, lets out Daryl and those people, and that happens in the books too. So it was falling along as close as they could. And then... With the Carol, or uh, the Carol Carl cliffhanger, it just took a left turn for me again, and I was disappointed by that because I do like the Carl character now. So that's what I'm hoping yeah, for. Here. I'm hoping for a Negan resurrection and uh, long live Negan. Yes, Team Negan. <laughs> Hashtag Team Negan. We are Negan. <laughs> yeah, we are Negan. <laughs> so with that. Guys, it's a, it's a long episode, but 
you know, it's long because we have not talked about it. If you think about it, when we break these episodes down into, we would do like a, a super episode of this stuff. We didn't do that where we had a seg- segments. It would, we would have added up to about the same time frame. So we wanted to do this for you guys. And again, we are working on prepping for a crazy season two of Geekologist Radio. So until the next season starts, you will be getting intermittent you know, episodes. We'll still try to keep to a Monday launch frame, but if uh, if we're not able to hit that, it'll you know we will target you know the Monday to Wednesday time frame to be able to launch these intermittent episodes. And uh, a lot, we're stay tuned to our social media and stuff like that, uh, which is our, our Twitter at Geekall, just Radio minus T for character restrictions, our Facebook page, and uh, or even you know give us an email. Uh, at at our podcast at geekologistradio.com and you know th- that's where you're going to be able to, to see what's going to be coming on help us shape what's going on uh, a lot of this stuff is us teaching ourselves how to do this stuff too so as we teach ourselves it's going to be a lot of us watching trial and error watching YouTube videos and things like that we're going to be creating basically a new show based off of the original values that we came up with when we created Geekologist Radio. But what we want you to kind of think of is, if you think of radio talk shows, you think of shows like Howard Stern, uh, that is what we're going to be trying to target as the kind of the the basis for what we're going to be doing moving forward. And we want the entertainment value to be there. We want the listener appreciation to be definitely shown. We want you guys to be able to be involved in it. We want to be able to set up so you guys can jump into a discord chat and you can be heard over, you know, over onto the podcast and ask us questions and we can answer, answer, you know? So there's a lot of stuff that we're moving towards and a lot of stuff we got to learn in the process. Season two is going to be a learning season for us, but we will create what we want or what you guys deserve and what Geekologist Radio needs to grow into a much bigger uh, show. And and with uh, with that too, Damien, not to cut you off, but with that too, is that feedback is great. Exactly. If you, if you hear something that you like uh, from a different show or you like a topic that somebody else is discussing that maybe we passed on, just hit us up. We are not afraid to talk about anything we will bring up. Uh, uh, we like to bring up fun things that we're excited about and fun things that, that you should be excited about too in games, TVs, and movies. Uh, we can venture off that a little bit too and we could talk about other things. <laughs> um, uh, not too far. I'm not trying to take away the values that you guys started here, but uh, feedback, feedback, feedback. Yes, um, feedback is huge. And, and you that way the show kind of turns into something that everybody you know enjoys. And I like that you bring up the fact that we could do something where the audience could be involved too at the same time, you know, and that that's, that's feedback at the moment. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's by, you know, we we're looking at Twitch, uh, Twitch in real life or the Twitch uh, podcast shows that they actually allow, uh, they have. So we'd be streaming on Twitch. You'd be able to be in the channel to talk to us there. Or we're looking at also doing things like where we do the Facebook live our hope is to be able to get everything going on the same time. And then each one of us would have a chat window open monitoring it. And then we would pick certain questions from each outlet that's that we're streaming on at the same time and bring your guys's uh, questions and stuff into the show. 
Another way that you can really help us, though, is if you go on like and like and subscribe on iTunes, and or if you already subscribe to us on iTunes, give us some feedback on there. Uh, leave, leave leave a comment, leave some stuff on yeah. there because comment. That's all stuff that helps us get brought up so where more people can find us. And it's just it's all part of the process of building. This is a labor of love for us. It's something that we're constantly evolving, constantly trying to teach ourselves how to do something new, make something a little more fun. And you'll you'll notice that as as the next season starts that it's something that we're putting a lot of effort into. Uh, with that, I want to jump back over and Nick, you did an awesome, awesome episode running this, this kind of thing and giving us, you know, your plethora of knowledge over the walking dead. Where can we locate you on the interwebs? You can find me at Nick and PDX on Twitter. And then you can find me on Twitter, which is the best way to get a hold of me at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word on Twitter. Also, you can find this podcast and all a bunch of other podcasts on NinjaPancake.com. That's our network. Got great shows on there. Uh, if you like, if you like other gaming show, gaming and movie stuff as well, conversations. Geek Squatch is a good up, a good podcast to listen mm-hmm. to. And there's also our uh, our buddies over at Mulehorn Gaming. Give them a shout out. Go look them up. Find them on uh, find them on Mixer, man. Mulehorn Gaming streaming like crazy on Mixer, and uh, they've been streaming PUBG, which is something that Nick and I have all got hooked on <laughs> on the console. And they were actually uh, featured on the front page uh, on the front page on the Hype channel. Awesome. How about PUBG so. when you jump out of the plane, Damien, and you land, and there's no humans, there's just zombies, and the circle just gets smaller and smaller, and you have to survive that. Just a thought. That would be H1Z1. Yeah, that is that. That's dumb of me. <laughs> <laughs> that is what that is what PUBG's based off of. <laughs> uh, I got drunk with zombies. All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right everybody. With that, we are out.